0: welcome to the ionahoops.com podcast with your host guy flotico
1: hey gale nation and welcome to season three episode nine of the ionahoops.com podcast i hope you all recovered from your thanksgiving weekends and i also hope you've recovered from iona's late night loss to santa clara in vegas thankfully it's home sweet home for the next three and hopefully the gales will string some wins together We'll preview the entire homestand, which includes our two MAC openers against Niagara and Canisius, and then a visit from St. Louis, one of the top 50 programs in the country right now. And we'll have a couple friends from the Midtown Madness podcast, which, which provides some heavy-duty coverage of all things Billkins, on to help us preview the game. It's a huge one for our non-conference profile, so I wanted to ensure we as fans knew what was coming in. But now, you're in for Iona Iota's. Iona, Iona yes. So just how tough has Iona's non-conference schedule been thus far? It's been a topic of debate on the Iona message board. Well, hard to know for sure until you see how teams evolve as the season progresses, but certainly a couple of our opponents may be not quite as solid as expected thus far. Looking at Ken Palm, Penn has not quite looked like the Ivy League favorite at just 5-4 overall and sitting at 156 as of Monday morning in Ken Palm. However, the Quakers have won four straight, including over Patriot favorite Colgate. So maybe they're starting to find their footing. How about Hofstra? They're at 125 in Ken Palm and have a 6-2 record, so really can't complain about them. Vermont? Hmm. Not looked like the American East favorites we thought we were getting. They're just 2-7 and seven overall and at 192 in Ken Palm. So that's been a disappointment for our, uh, for our schedule. Santa Clara has been pretty darn good, as I told you they would be, sitting at 97. Uh, with a 5-2 and two record. We'll take a closer look at all of the other non-conference opponents as those games draw closer. But as of Monday morning, St. Louis has a Ken Palm of 42. St. Bonaventure is 112. Princeton is 139. New Mexico is 90. And SMU is 145. And if we win that game against the Ponies in Hawaii, Utah State would likely be in the second round, and they're at 45. So while there have been a couple disappointments, particularly Vermont, make no mistake, this is a pretty solid non-conference slate. Iona, Iona, Just a quick note about free throws. Ticked off by Santa Clara's edge at the Stripes Saturday night? Well, guess what? It's kind of the norm for us this season. Per Ken Palm, Iona is 362nd. That's right, 362nd in free throws attempted per field goals attempted. That means we just don't draw fouls as a team. Now, Quinn missing two games hurt here, as he does draw a decent amount of fouls. He he actually still leads the Gales in free throw attempts on the season, even though he's only played two of our four games. Uh, Clayton tends to draw them too, but he's not going to draw them when he's trying as many threes as he's tried this year. Nelly draws them too, but if he's not getting touches or demanding the ball, he's not going to get to the line. I mean, it's crazy that we are that poor nationally in getting to the line. And it's something we're going to have to watch moving forward for sure. Iona, Iona's. The Iona women's team appears primed for a solid season, despite just a 2-3 and mark thus far. The Lady Gals have easy wins over Wagner and Sacred Heart, and their three losses to Stony Brook, Providence, and Bucknell have been by a combined 8 points. The numbers are good. Iona's held opponents opponents under 60 points per game, under 40% overall from the field, under 29% from three on average this season. Meanwhile, the ladies are connecting on 49% overall and 38% from three. Juana Camillon, Ketia Athias, and Kate Mager are all averaging double figures per game. Keep an eye on this team. It's been a fun ride thus far, and let's see where they're headed as the MAC play approaches. Having no offer roundup, so let's go to the Santa Clara recap. Before the season in my game by game predictions, I picked this one as a loss, pointing out to the rise of the Santa Clara program and the distance for Iona travel to play one game. It just didn't feel right. I just always felt like this game was going to be trouble. Well, I was right. Rare moment, I know. Uh, make no mistake, this was a matchup of two top 100 programs and the teams indeed went toe to toe for a good 37 minutes. Then Iona faded late and route to the 86-76 setback. We'll get into the numbers in a second, but really this was a situation where Iona really missed Quinn Sosinski, still out with the high ankle sprain, as Iona really needed a go-to player and an experienced leader, and had neither laid in this one. So if you heard my preview last episode, I told you Santa Clara's rebounding scared me, and sure enough, the Broncos hammered us on the glass, 35-20. Santa Clara's size completely took Nelly out of the game, just four points and three rebounds in 23 minutes, Nelly does have a tendency to disappear a bit when the opponent has a capable big, so this is going to be something to monitor moving forward. I mean, Ashima didn't fare any better, 0.5 rebounds in 19 minutes, so the Gales really didn't get anything out of the paint in this one. Iono was able to turn Santa Clara over, but otherwise, the Gales offered little defensive resistance, allowing 52% shooting overall, 50% shooting from three, and the Broncos made 26 of 29 free throws as well. Ugly. Some bright spots for the Gales, though. The Gales shot well themselves, 48% overall, 43% from three. Walter Clayton, who had had a tough go of things from three thus far this season, made six of six from there and route to a 26-point performance. And Dennis Jenkins had 16 points and four assists. Cruz Davis, starting for Quinn again, had eight points as well. And finally, Iona showing signs of a bench. Michael Jefferson had 12 points, all in the second half. And Anton Brookshire also made things happen with six points. But the story of this one, the late fade, Iona took a 74-72 lead on two Clayton free throws with 3:14 left and then were outscored 14-2 the rest of the way. You'll recall even with Quinn, Iona was right there against Hofstra very late and Hofstra made plays down the stretch and Iona didn't. So, can Iona figure out these late game scenarios and who's going to lead them? Time will tell. Hey, how about some home games? Finally, haven't been there since the pen game. Let's preview Iona's two Mac openers against Niagara and Canisius, as well as the St. Louis visit before welcoming in our guests. The Niagara Purple Eagles are 3-3 overall with a 2.34 Ken Palm. Iona is going to be a double-digit favorite, but Niagara was a double-digit dog in their last road game at St. John's and battled pretty well before falling by 8. Marcus Hammond may be gone, but Greg Paulus knows how to get the most out of what he has, and the Perps can scrap. 6-3 guard Noah Thomason is the guy to watch. He's averaging 16.2 points and 4 rebounds, just under 4 assists per game, shooting 44% from 3. They're otherwise balanced with three guys, 6'7", freshman Aaron Gray, 6'7", senior holdover Sam Iorio, and 6'2", Juco, transfer Braxton Bayless, all averaging uh, between eight and nine points and about five boards a game. They don't do anything particularly well statistically, and yet they won both games in Ireland in the Mac A Sun Challenge and gave St. John's help, so the Gales will need to bring the energy, for anu- and yet for another reason as well. Under Paulus, the perps have slowed things down a lot. They were one of the slowest tempo teams in the country a year ago, and this year is no different, ranking 353rd in tempo. The Gales press will need to have the desired effect here if Iona is to end this losing streak at one game. Is this a swan song for Canisius coach Reggie Witherspoon? Not sure, but the Griffs are just 2-4 and and sitting at 297 in Ken Palm, but with the oddity that they beat their toughest opponent, St. Bonaventure so they have the ability to cause trouble and well this is the max so who knows but when you have a bad team you tend to find potential stars at the end of your bench and the griffs may have done just that with guard taj stavesky who who missed his freshman season last year due to injury and simply stepped up to lead the team in scoring at 13.8 points per game while also picking up 3.5 assists per game thus far this year griffs also found help from In the form of Junior Moultrie, via Kennesaw State. Moultrie's a six-one guard averaging 13 points per game, and he's made 48 percent of his threes this year. Finally, we have holdover guard Jordan Henderson scoring 12.2 a game this season, after averaging 11 a game last year for the Griffs. Kennesha's doesn't have much star power in the paint, with JUCO transfer Bryce Akpo, a six-seven junior, leading the way with seven and six boards per game thus far. The Griffs' problems last year and thus far this year. They just don't offer much resistance on the road. Just one win in their eight, last 18 road games. So this is one where the Gales need to drop the hammer early and not give Canisius any hope of stealing this one. The Gales will conclude this three-game homestand with one of the bigger home games in recent memory, as St. Louis visits. The Billikins are loaded and are off to a 5-2 start in the season with a 42 KenPom. St. Louis has resume wins over Memphis, Providence, and Murray State already this year had a tough go of it against Maryland in a neutral side affair, and just get yesterday gave number 13 Auburn all they can handle on their home floor losing 65-60. to 60. Make no mistake, Billkins are among the A-10 favorites for sure and should comfortably be in the NCAA tournament field even if they don't win the A-10 tournament. This is a legit team coming in people, the Gales are going to be slight underdogs most likely in this one, even on their home floor. St. Louis is a top-20 offense, averaging more than 80 points per game, so pick your poison. The guy who makes them go, you know who it is unless you've been in a coma, it's 6-foot point guard Uri Collins. who's at 12.4 points per game and a ridiculous 10.4 assists per game. This is the guy that when you look up point guard in Webster's, you see his picture. Curious to see how Iona defends him. We then shift to Gibson Jimerson, who leads the club at 14.3 points per game and 46% shooting from three after joining Collins on all A-10 teams a year ago. And then bring a guy Billkins didn't even have last season due to injury back into the mix. And there's one of the reasons expectations were so high last year. 6'6", senior wing Javante Perkins, who led SLU in scoring in 2021 at 17 points per game. He's, he's back and is scoring 12.3 thus far this season while connecting on 36% from three. But wait, there's more starting with 6'5'' senior Missouri transfer Javon Pickett, who is averaging 10.9.7.4 rebounds, and yet another senior, 6'9'' Francis Okoro, who owns the paint with 8.1 points, 9.3 rebounds per game. SLU is deep without question, though. There are four other guys on this roster who average 13 minutes per game and can and will contribute. As you would expect, Billiken Nation came into the season with high expectations and excitement. And what better way to showcase that than to switch now to our guests, Zach Miller and Peter Hale from the Midtown Madness podcast, which covers all things SLU. Well, uh, we've got some basketball coming up here at home, finally, after some time on the road. And we're going to have a couple of Mac games. But then we have a game Iona fans have had circled for quite a while. St. Louis coming to town. But all that buzz preseason, this has been the one that we focused on here in New Rochelle for quite a while. Um, So even though we've got a couple of Mac games coming up, we're going to just kind of jump over them a little bit and get to the good stuff here. And welcome Zach Miller and Peter Hale. Uh, to talk about St. Louis and their podcasts and just everything Billiken related, guys, welcome.
0: Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, well, I think we we actually I think Billiken fans are looking forward to this. <laughs> I, I think Iona. I I think they're looking forward to Iona. I don't. I don't think in any way, shape, like I. I think the game was so good last year, and it was yeah. such a novel like scheduling quirk that it came about. That I, I think it's almost like a fun thing. Like like we're the type of fan base that takes a fake rivalry and works ourselves <laughs> into a shoot with it. Like we've created a fake backstory for the Dayton rivalry. It's mm-hmm. a real rivalry, but we created a, a like us and Dayton fans created this insane lineage. <laughs> but like we just we'll take something and run with
1: it. All right. Let's let's go back to that last year. So Iona was supposed to play Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden. And this is when COVID was still going on, of course. And, uh, well, of course, Seaton all got COVID and we lost one of our premier marquee games. That would have been a great opportunity for us. And, uh, you know, lots of games were being floated around or lots of rumors. I know it was was uh, talking about having a game at Xavier and some other stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, I who did you guys? You guys were scheduled to play somebody and then that game
2: dropped out. Do you remember who it was? Yeah, yeah it was.
0: It was you go ahead, Pete. It was
2: a conference game because this, no. this game... Yeah, it was. it was. Wasn't Saint it Drake? No, this was Bonaventure. Oh, okay. Drake, Drake was supposed to be in Vegas uh, a couple weeks earlier. I think it was the end of December. It was supposed to be our last non-conference game, and that got, scheduled, or got canceled for the same reason. And then Bonaventure was supposed to be on January 8th. It was going to be our second A-10 game, and their team had a bunch of positive tests, so we canceled. And then, um, you know, given that Iona also had those cancellations, there's the existing relationship between Patino and Ford and so uh you know we were both looking for a date and got this one so that's why it came late in the calendar because normally slew is not playing non conference games once the once the year right. you know the new year comes along And then it's all a10 after that but you all must right, fine, you must have had an opening though in there though cuz you must have only had 10
1: non conference games scheduled going going into that
0: no, well, Drake, Drake. So, so technically, I think Peter and I are both kind of right in that, it, <laughs> that it, it it replaced physically Bonaventure, correct? Metaphorically,
2: Drake. Got yeah. it. So we're still da- we'd still be down one net on the year if I because I don't think that Bonaventure game ever got replayed, did it? Uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Actually,
0: I did. They cancel it for like.
2: you know what yes never mind yeah we did wind up playing it later we played uh, back-to-back dates with them later that year Mm. so anyway yeah confusing confusing year yeah yeah
1: well it turned out to be a a heck of a fun game Um, I I suspect I'm knocking on wood as I say that I suspect this year's will be fun as well maybe again between the relationship with the coaches this is something that can be a, a regular game and you know, I actually Patino doesn't like playing games in our little gym anytime we have a decent non conference game, it's usually at Barclays or at Mo, you know, we, he tries to game games at Mohegan Sun Arena up uh, in Connecticut. Uh, you know, we're he'll he'll play at the UBS Arena out at Long Island. Doesn't want to have big names coming in playing us in a little bitty gym, so it could be something that evolves into something where maybe we're playing you at Mass Square Garden next year or something like that. Who knows? Uh will be fun to see if that happens.
0: I I got a question for you. What does that kind of do for a fan base when their coach is kind of like, uh, yeah, our gym kind of sucks. So we're not going to play there. (laughs) I I mean, I can't like, I can imagine like, even like, I don't, I don't know how to relate it to Slough other than like we had Chaffetz and it's like, oh, we're going to bring in North Carolina. So we're just going to move it down the street to a mm -hmm. gym that we don't, like we built this gym for, to have the open dates for a game. Yeah.
1: yeah. Patino doesn't believe, Bettino really does believe in the Gonzaga scheduling approach of not playing a buy game. Iona has not played a buy game under him. Um, so if he's trying to get a big name school, he's going to try to, even if it's a two for one deal or something, the one is going to be at a big arena nearby. He, he knows you know, a power, a power conference team is not going to come play in our gym. So he will, that's what he will try to do. It hasn't had a lot of luck with it actually, but, um, and situation like this worked out perfectly for both sides though, of course. So, um, but anyway, so let's jump ahead here a little bit. So we had that great game last year, um, so Iona lost uh, some players from last year's team. You guys are <laughs> just came back loaded uh, and a whole lot of hype. Um, some people thought top 25 was in, was legitimate. Um, here we are just a few games in. You guys have uh, – we've been watching you guys, of course. We watch as, as everybody does. We all root for everybody that we're playing non-conference. So that schedule looks as great as humanly possible. So, you know, I've been following you guys closely as well. Um where are you are you do you feel like you're kind of what you thought you'd be maybe a little better maybe a little worse where where are you i want both of you can answer that one uh,
0: i i i think i have the big mouth i guess i'll go first um <laughs> i think uh i think that we are on pace to get there uh i think it's a li- it's been slowed down by the uh, kind of I, I think uh, Javante Perkins who I mean by all accounts was heading in it last season ready to just absolutely be this team's you know um, uh, Trevor Hoffman their closer right uh, and that's a nice current reference uh, but uh, and I think he's coming a little bit a little bit along slower than we expected, uh, from injury. I mean, not necessarily health wise, but confidence wise, strength wise, muscle memory wise. And I think he's just not there yet. He's shown flashes in in pretty much every game of the vintage Javante, uh, today, he had a nice pull up, uh, uh, jumper that, that, you know, would be helpful if he could hit that consistently again. Uh, but again, he missed free throws pre- or three pointer pretty, pretty badly. Uh, so I think we're just slowly working our way back to where we can be. Hopefully we will hit that uh, come the, you know, the meaty part of the non-conference and then um, into conference. And
2: Peter. I think that's right. And, um, you know, if you look at our our sort of marquee games so far of the four of them, we've split. I think a lot of us were hoping we could maybe go three and one in those either pick off this game at Auburn or win both in that event we played at in Connecticut that also had, providence miami and maryland we started out against maryland in that one and that's a team that i think a lot of people underestimated this season uh with a new coach and um you know not not quite sure how that team was going to be and so far they've actually been pretty pretty strong um i think they've they've been better than people realize they're they're big and physical and they just uh, you know they can
0: shoot threes
2: they can shoot threes and they they completely (laughs) just smacked slew and like we were just not ready for that game it looked like it was so, so then it was a question of, did we just lay an egg? Or are there bigger issues here? You know, we escaped with a win against Providence the next day today at Auburn uh, today, as we record this, um, I should say um, Sunday, the 27th, it was a close one that slew had a chance to win should late and, uh, and kind of, you know, just what didn't hit free throws, didn't execute in the final five minutes, let it get away. That's a number 13 team on the road. It's a quad one win. You know, it's it's nothing shameful, mm. uh, b- by any means. But I think the story of our season is very different. If if we come away with that win today, as it stands, we're five and two, uh, could be six and one, and we're looking at a stretch in our schedule that's kind of sneaky good. Um, and and Iona is a big part of that. If if you look at this upcoming stretch, yes, a lot of the marquee games are behind us, but now you've got. Southern Illinois, Iona, Boise State, Drake, that's four teams in a row that are all Ken Palm top 100 teams. Yeah, they're in that kind of 50 to 100 range, but those are all good teams. Um, and Iona's obviously on the road as well. So that's, that's pretty tough. So if if we can win, um, I mean, honestly, if we can win all four of those, I th- I would feel great about where we stand. I wouldn't be surprised to see us drop one of those because I think that's a pretty t- tough stretch
1: we're talking with Zach Miller and Peter Hale of Midtown Madness podcast. Um, Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. I mean, even if you look at Iona as the smallest or maybe I don't want to say insignificant or or I just the game you're not focusing on the most. It's still a road game and it's against the top 100 team. I mean, from the numbers perspective, those are huge. Um, And that's why, you know, we were thrilled to have the opportunity against you guys last year, because I think our 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 Ken Poms were very similar last year going into that game um so for you know it's not just another game but um how as fans how do you how do you guys focus on a game like that you know when you do have this this barrage of huge games came up but the beauty of it is is they are all mids you're not playing majors right now and that's usually the you know, the big names are the ones everybody circles and those are the ones everybody kind of thinks about even if they're Ken Palm it might be a little lower than some of the mid-majors are playing uh but so as you guys you know as hosts of a podcast that fans listen to how do you get those those fans understanding that hey Iona is an important game
2: I would hope that the more dedicated fans understand that and that they remember that hey it took a uh, not quite a buzzer beater, but it took a clutch shot with nine seconds left to beat them at our place last year. Um, so going on the road to now play at their place is no joke. And that this is a, a top 100 team again. And it's a team that probably, for, correct me if I'm wrong here, but probably is expected to win the conference. Yeah. Um, and, and and no matter what conference you're in, if you're the favorite, you're a good team. And, and that's something that, you know, SLU fans have to respect. I think a lot of it is, um, it's just not not big brand name recognition, right? Rick Patino is a big brand name. Iona ne- isn't necessarily that right. thing. Had they been the St. Peters that came out and uh, went on a run in the tournament last year, you know, maybe that's different. Maybe that conversation's different. So that's the only thing that kind of I think stands in the way from more people um paying this game more respect, I think, a more casual fan looks at this stretch of games and doesn't necessarily look at it the way that Zach and I do and think, man, we got a lot of top 100 teams coming up. We better buckle down, play good defense, get it done at the free throw line, do some of the things that we haven't been um, executing on in every game so far.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the more, you know, tuned in, uh, you know, obsessive fan will definitely know Iona and, and know who Rick Patino is. And I think, you know, obviously the, 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 you know, casual fan will know who Rick Tino is, but Iona may not be the the first thing that comes to their mind. I mean, you know, I think it's almost more or less the geographical issue rather than the level of play issue. It's like, for me, the West coast is a complete blind spot. I, I, I forget the Seattle Mariners exist. Uh, so uh, like, I think more so the fans uh, that are casual, the Billikens, would have a blind spot for the East Coast over the, the West Coast. Whereas I, because I'm a hard, more of a hardcore Billiken fan, I'm paying attention to those East Coast programs because if I'm watching a LaSalle game or a St. Joe's mm-hmm. game, God forbid I'm spending my night doing that. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be against a team like Iona. I'll see Iona every once in a while. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know who Iona is. Iona's had had uh, their chances in the NCAA tournament. They've won conference tournaments. Uh, so, I mean, I think, I think for the most part, the savvy basketball fan, not necessarily the savvy Billiken fan, but just a basketball fan will know Iona. So I think, I honestly think for me, this, this game is probably the one that I'm most worried about because it is on the road and it is Rick Patino. So uh anything can happen. And, and I hate road games. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. All right. So we know obviously there's some familiarity between the programs and we, you know, we have, uh, but let's talk to the Atlanta fans right now as if they have no idea about, about St. Louis at all. Why don't you each take a minute and tell us about the Billkins, not necessarily dropping stats and all that, just what, who and what makes these, the team go, uh, what the program is all about, what it represents in, in your minds.
0: Pete, you, you go yeah. ahead cuz i'm gonna i'm just going to take what you say and i'm gonna like make it my own
1: sure sure <laughs> is that the so, normal y- b- pattern for you guys on your podcast is it no i'm can-
0: just i'm i'm <laughs> the interviewer i don't like i still don't know how to answer questions really.
2: <laughs> i i think the main thing that you have to know um about our team is it's really it's a returning core um <clears throat> that got that gets a guy back that we didn't have last season Coming into last season in an exhibition game, Javante Perkins blew out his knee, you know, and and goes through the whole ACL recovery process. It's now, what, 13 months on, a little bit more, and he's not quite – he's still not 100%. He's playing. He's, he's fine. He's just not, you know, back to his old self completely. He's a fifth-year senior. And then around him, you've got a returning veteran core Gibson Jimerson, the three-point specialist, you know, just assassin on the wing. Yuri Collins, the point guard, led the nation in assists last year. Um, and then you've got Francis Okoro down low, who's the big, uh, you know, the big center. We do add a couple other fifth-year players this year. Javon Pickett, transfer from Mizzou, kind of a utility forward, and Jake Forrester, who's uh backing up Okoro, comes from Temple. Um, Fred Thatch, I should say, and Terrence Hargrove are the other players from our returning core. Um, you know, veteran players, fourth-year players, um, not not starting most of the time yet, but are you know they're just they're the first guys off the bench generally, along with Forrester. And then we had Sincere Parker, who's a JUCO player, um, really exciting scorer, um, still getting there on his defense. Um, other than that, you've got mostly freshmen who are who are not really getting in much. Um, but, but the thing you've got to understand is, is we've got that returning core that knows how to play together. And the guys we've added to that are very, very experienced players. This is one of the oldest teams in the country. And when they're at their best, they can really score and they can really defend. Um, they're, you know, leave a little to be desired in terms of rebounding. We don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, we were an excellent free throw shooting team coming into this Auburn game that seems to have gone by the wayside, at least for one day. Um, so it's a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways, but the offense really flows through Yuri Collins, that, that point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Zach take it from there.
0: Yeah, sure. I, uh, I think I'm going to iceberg this and, and go a little deeper and maybe kind of expound on individual players. So, so Yuri Collins is the pass master. He is the, uh, the Pete Maravich of this team, uh, can really dish it out. Uh, very Steve Nash. You'll see like today, Steve Nash, he did that dribble through the lane, come back around, be patient. He rides a fine line between patient and long on the ball. He will uh you know, he'll wait a little bit too long or he'll just, you know, make the most insane pass you've ever seen in your life. Um he's, he's cut down the turnovers pretty well. Uh Jimerson is the gunner. He is the three-point specialist, but this guy uh is a grinder on defense. He will put forth max effort on defense uh, and he can cut to the rim and he will, you know, if you overplay him on a three, uh, with Yuri's passing ability, it's, it's a dangerous proposition on defense. Uh, Javon Pickett really is the, the, uh, this is the role he was made to play. I think on a team is that you know, the, the go get a rebound, go get a bucket. We need you to just, just you know, get a stick back, uh, get to the boards and make something happen on a missed shot. That uh, we saw that at the end of the Memphis game, or the end of the first half of Memphis, where he went to the board and put back uh, a buzzer beater, a missed buzzer beater attempt. So uh, he is, uh, he, he's really he got that dog in him, as the as the kids say these days. Um, and then Fred Thatch, I don't think, uh, Fred Thatch was mentioned by Pete, but except in passing, but Fred Thatch really is the glue of this team. I think, uh, if Yuri Collins is the motor, uh, Fred Thatch is the nuts and bolts. He, he's the weld, um, not to be confused with the same Bonaventure welders. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, he really is that glue guy. I think you saw it in that Maryland game where, as he was injured in the after 11 minutes of play, and it, it was going downhill. But I think Fred not being there caused it to probably escalate quicker than than possible than it would have. And I think in the Providence game, you saw Providence absolutely dominate us on the boards, and that was again Fred Thatch, one of our best rebounding guards. So uh, I, I think with Fred fully healthy, I think the worries from that maryland and providence game have kind of been erased but i think the worries with javante perkins um are still there but i think every game he does something that shows me progress in in becoming that javante perkins that was an absolute uh just a killer uh two years ago
1: okay um Okay so let's let's try this another way now just to give Iona fans some hope because I, I you know I, was, I have tremendous respect for you guys You should have
0: they- you should have hope. <laughs>
1: well, no, i don't know i agree I, I hope isn't the right word i I'm, I'm you know i i tend to be not the pessimistic fan because i wouldn't have a podcast if i did but uh i'm the one who tries to level set everybody i you know if, if they're down after a bad game like for instance oh i don't know losing to santa clara in santa clara in las vegas i'm like hey relax santa clara's top 100 we're missing one of our starters it's fine relax relax and then as soon as we beat somebody and they're talking about we should be in the atlantic 10 i'm the one that says C- calm down you know uh, i'm the one who tries to level everybody off so I-, I like to simplify it even if it's really never that simple um if you said to me what does i do have to do to win i would say we need to defend the three it's patino's obsession and this team isn't always doing it so to me the the number i love to watch is what the other team is shooting from three against us that's usually an indicator how the game's going um and that's been the way it's been since patino we ever started here for you guys what's the one thing that if, if you had to give my own fans a little secret uh, hey if we're not doing this you guys are you guys are going to take us down
2: Oof. um I,
1: I
0: i i gotta say by the way we know what it's like to lose to santa clara early in the season uh we did it under majeris like what <laughs> or was that cruise first year
2: I think it was right. Cruz
0: first year because they were wearing headbands and that was a whole thing. Doesn't matter. I own a <laughs> fans will have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Actually, Peter might not know what I'm talking about. It's been a uh, while. <laughs> but uh yeah, I think if we aren't uh rebounding, if you're out rebounding us, okay. uh we're in trouble. Uh if we're not getting out in transition, mm-hmm. uh, we're in trouble. Uh and if our offense just is is not moving, we're in trouble.
2: It seems with us, it's funny because in our first several games, we were averaging like eighty-eight points. Um, until until we fell flat against Maryland, uh, we really showed that we could score. And it seems like when the defensive effort is there, um, everything else runs more smoothly. And I don't know what that is because a lot of times you team you see teams kind of play defense is not their top priority. It's kind of it's almost an afterthought. They 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 do what they got to do, but they know they're going to outscore teams. And that's the kind of thing like we have the the firepower to do something like that, but it seems like it just doesn't nothing else clicks if our defense isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and, and it's really it's an effort thing. I, I think this is a team I do question how well we deal with adversity. Much better team at home than on the road. Um and 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 that obviously bodes well for Iona in this game. And um the other thing is teams that are pretty physical, like we really struggled with that. Against Maryland. Um, it came up at times against Auburn today. Our our big men seemed a little flummoxed. Um, if you can kind of punch Slough in the mouth a little bit, and especially if we're on the road, um, that that can kind of get to them. And that's exactly how Patino coaches. I've watched him do it for years. He loves to test the the fences and see what he can get away with with the refs. Um, it, you know, his his teams will frustrate you and they'll they'll really break you down. And I know Ford knows that well. And you know certainly incorporated a lot of what patino does into his own uh defensive coaching but um there there are a few different ways you can get to slew um for sure
1: okay well let's hope that both teams are unscathed uh over the next week or so here as we again we're recording this well in advance of our game uh and hopefully that it'll have a little juice it'll be a little more new york media maybe than you'd think uh would probably come for that if you know, everybody keeps winning here, <laughs> so let's all yeah. do our parts, and uh, and hopefully the game actually uh, has a lot of extra juice. Then when we're when we see you guys in uh, New Rochelle in a couple weeks, uh, in about what nine days or so. Um, well, thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. I I think uh, this was educational uh, for the Iona fans, and God, we need education around here. So um, I appreciate it coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck uh, the next couple of games, and we'll see you guys in about nine days.
2: Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
1: It's good to be home. Or is it? We'll find out soon enough with three games at Heinz over a five-day span beginning this Friday. We'll catch up with you again after the homestand. It promises to be an interesting one for sure and one that's going to impact our season, I think. Until next time,
2: go Gales! Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Volatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Faladico, ionahoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting ionahoops.com.